everybody. This is JJ Outlaw. And this is T Outlaw. And you are listening to another episode of The Gourmet Goober. You can find me on JJ Outlaw, um, at JJ Outlaw, actually, on Twitter. You can find The Gourmet Goober Instagram page, um, which I monitor, at Gourmet Goober on Instagram. And where can they find you, Big Daddy? They can find me on Twitter at T Outlaw. That's T to the O to the U to the T to the L to the A. <laughs> and on Instagram at T Outlaw Josie Wells, like the movie. All right, great. So we are back. And if you listen to the show regularly, you may again notice that we are switching to bi weekly schedule. And we're so excited um, to have this episode. By the time you hear it, it'll drop on Monday. So we're recording this over the 4th of July weekend. So I hope everyone had a really restful holiday, um, however you decided to celebrate it. Um, For me, it wasn't exactly like a continuous weekend. So I had like um, where I work in my day job, I was off at like, I think it was, what was it? on that Wednesday at three o'clock, like my office closed at three mm-hmm. and then I was off the fourth and then I came back on the fifth, which was totally weird because there was nobody in Chicago, it seems. So literally I got to work in like 70, like just under an hour. It was like crazy fast. Um, so I wish traffic was like that all the time, but big daddy, you actually had to work on the 4th of July. Yeah, I was, for some reason, I must have been, even though I was born in December, I was <laughs> working all week. Um, basically, like, Saturday was my only day off this week. Um. So, but to be fair, you kind of work that kind of schedule with the kind of work that you do. I'm not going to go into too much detail. Big Daddy works in media. Um, that yeah. said, it, the the joke between us is that he worked most holidays, in fact, we were in Chicago um, years ago when the Transformers did that film in Chicago. So I got a chance to like watch it as they were filming. And we later went to go see the movie. And I remember we were driving home and I was like, so what happens if Decepticons destroy Chicago? Would you still have to go to work then? And he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holidays, Decepticons ruining your city, alien invasion don't matter. I work in media. They put out media every day. I got to be there. <laughs> yeah, somebody's got to tell you that those Decepticons have blown up this spot. And then tomorrow they'll blow up your spot. But yeah, pretty much every day, <laughs> and, you know, unless they give me a day or two off. Yes, I pretty much, I put in work. Yeah, so please be kind to your local media people, whoever they may be, in print, whatever, because they there. Yeah, not everything is fake news. (laughs) Well, yes, but we won't go into that. But yes, that goes without saying. Yeah. So um, outside of the craziness of our schedules, how was your week overall the last couple of weeks since our listeners heard us from us last? I mean, every week is its own entity, as you will. But for the most part, my week was basically, at least this one was maintaining. I mean... I know with everyone celebrating the 4th of July, their Independence Day, um, it was, there were challenges, but at the same time, you know, like I was trying to be in patriotic spirits, but this week was more me just trying to get through the week and just trying to find a good rest in between. I have to admit, my week 
It went through some ebbs and flows. Um, this 4th of July, I, I, I have to admit, for me personally, it seemed a little hard to celebrate it knowing that there are like families being separated and just a lot of things that are going on that it's just general fuckery that should not be going on. And without being too political, not that we don't talk about politics, we talk about politics all the time, but that's just one of the things that we decided um, for various reasons to not talk too much about on the podcast. Um, but yeah, it just kind of, you know, I, I will say this. As someone who self-identifies as being a part of a marginalized community, um, the 4th of July is always a personal conflict um, for me because on one hand, I am grateful to live in this country and it's given me a lot of freedoms that I know that you can't have elsewhere. But sometimes when you see things and how they go down, and especially the space that I work in, working in nonprofits and you know, particularly this year um, with the work that I do dealing with, you know, survivors of violence and things like that and how certain things have affected people's ability to get legitimate help that they need. It's this, it's disheartening. Um, it really is a tough pill to swallow. That said, I was grateful for the time off. Um, I've just been on the go, go, go. It seems like all the time and, um, it kind of gave me a chance to reflect on a lot of things. Um, I've been burying myself at work, I admit, because of the fact that we lost Baraboo, our little one. And so, you know, being in a home house for a couple of days, I'm just now moving some of the stuff around and we're separating things that we're donating and things like that um, so that we can make another pet owner's life brighter. But yeah, it's, it's been kind of a challenging week. Now that I think about it, it's kind of a downer how we're starting out. But on the other hand... We have plenty more downers to come, but for the most part, <laughs> we're just, as I was saying like before, we're just trying to maintain. Yeah. But there were some really bright spots. Um, I, For those who heard like the last podcast, <laughs> you heard my weird confession about loving grocery shopping. And so there's this grocery store in Chicago that on the real, I stop it way too often on my way to work. <laughs> so when I got to Chicago on Friday, like Uber early, I was like, well, I don't want to walk in like an hour early. They'll make me work. <laughs> mm. So I'll just stop in here for a few minutes in order to pick up something for lunch. And then 45 minutes later, I'm just like, I need to leave here. <laughs> I could literally spend all day in this grocery store. It's like Disney World for foodies. I need to go. <laughs> Disney World for foodies. It's like Disney World for foodies. It's a little place. Well, it's not little. It's actually. And here's the thing. It's people always say that this is the hood where I was at. But no, it was amazing. It's it's the Pete's Fresh Market on Madison and Western Avenue in Chicago. That place is the shit. It's really great. And so I'm like in there and I'm like walking through the produce section and I was like, oh my God, this is like, oh, you can hear angels singing as you walk past. They have this huge vegetarian section, this amazing bakery. Um, Yeah, it's- Were there like angels in the bakery and like, you know, devils in the deli? 
I, I don't know where you're going with that, but yeah, it was just hella nice. Let's just put it that way. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so I know that's weird, but that's like a bright spot for me to the point where I'm just like, should I like bring a cooler? And would it be weird if I went grocery shopping before work and just keep it in my office and take everything home to the hour and a half, two hour drive back to Indiana? I, I think that might be pushing the levels of it. But the, in my defense, there are two fridges where I work, right? And so I was so tempted to like Friday, because I knew no one would be there to take over the second fridge with my groceries and then take it home. But I thought, okay, that would be that would be pushing it. I, I think the few people in the office might have questioned what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm super psyched because their international food section had a lot of expanded foods. So in my defense, I bought some stuff to keep at my desk so I won't have to order out. I could just, you know, like like they had kimchi in and sticky rice so I could have that for a meal. Kimchi and sticky rice. Yeah. Huh. It's really good. Have you ever had kimchi? No. I have not had kimchi. I can't remember the last time I had chinua. <laughs> Not Chinua. I thought he was dead. Mm. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I oh, no, 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 no. Yes, very much. <laughs> okay. Uh, for those of you who are probably listening, like, what the hell that was? Where was that from again? Was that from the Cosby Show? No, it was a little bit before the Cosby Show during Robert Townsend's uh, reign, and he had like a comedy special. One of the guys, I believe, I want to say Don Franklin, but it might be like Don Reed or something, he was doing this comedy bit about uh, random you know, Kung Fu movies. And, you know, one of the guys he referenced was a man named Chinua, who we thought he was dead, but he was a great Kung Fu fighter. But damn it, for some reason, I can't get Chinua and Kimwa together. So every time we're in the grocery store, it's so funny because I like Kimwa because Kimwa is healthy green and, you know, has protein packs that's better for you than... Re- like regular rice. So I whenever I see it on sale, I try to get it and I get all excited when Big Daddy's with me. I'm like, oh quinoa. And then he goes through this <laughs> Oh, you have seen Chinua. Oh, <laughs> I thought he was dead. <laughs> but oh, he is great Kung Fu fighter. <laughs> so he does this impression from the comedy special and he has me cracking the fuck up. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to swear so much in this episode, but apparently I'm going to. So there you go. But he has to crack it up every single time. And we go through this. It's sort of like our little routine. Like, okay, you know, it's called quinoa, right? And he's like, insists it's quinoa. And then remember that one time you did that at the grocery store and this one lady looked at us like, the hell are y'all doing? Well, that was probably like, because like I space? broke out. Yeah, like <laughs> I broke out in full karate phase. Like, you know, I was ready to have like, you know, Whip out Ginsu knives and uh, <laughs> Chinese stars and whatever, but okay, he was going a little cray cray. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I thought he was dead. I was glad he was resurrected. He was bringing rice cakes for Papa. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay, and again, let me just say for those who are listening, he's doing the impression of what was on the thing. Okay, so please forgive me if that sounded offensive or anything it no is not there's no no offense to anyone like i don't want like you know desecrate anyone's culture at the same time the kung fu movie thing was uh was tremendously special and i i for all you kids that grew up like you know 
in a certain era, like we we all did our little really horrible oh my you know, god kung fu phases. Yes, yes, yes. I I'm young enough to remember actually going to see Bruce Lee at the drive-in theater. <laughs> First of all, shout out to my parents who was restrictive enough to not let me watch Charlie's Angels and the Dukes of Hazard because they had questionable themes, but would fully take Bob behind and go see Game of Death at the drive-in. <laughs> no offense, seeing Bruce Tree into the Dragon and Game of Death probably was not the best thing for a young kid like me to do. Because for weeks, I was like going through the house, imitating like how the bad dubs and things like that. I was very disappointed when you karate chop someone that it doesn't make that sound. And I won't talk about how I learned about that, but I got in trouble. So, <laughs> but yes, yes, I totally understand. So we come from a generation that doing that was like, okay. Yes. But going back to kimchi, which is not Chinese, it's actually from a Korean cuisine. Um, we, it's kind of like a fermented, I know it sounds weird, but it's like a fermented cabbage type, um, deal that people sometimes use as a side dish or you add it on. Like I ordered, I forget from where I ordered from. There's like a Korean restaurant near, um, Humble Park that I got like this really great deal and I ordered and they gave me a side of kimchi. So for like the past week at work, I've had kimchi at work because kimchi lasts a while, right? So I have it in the fridge and I'm like, ooh, pad thai and kimchi, does that go well together? It does. <laughs> I don't know why I keep hearing someone say kimchi. Or like, you know, Nicki Minaj. Uh, uh, no, but kimchi is actually really, really delicious. Oh, um, kimchi. You're very good. Yes. So I thought, you know, I, I got like some salmon. And so I thought, hmm, salmon and kimchi and sticky rice, that would make a delicious and light lunch. But no red snapper. But very tasty. Red snapper is very tasty. <laughs> but we are not really throwing red snapper out the window. Okay, that's my favorite line from UHF. And every time we're in a grocery store and we pass the red snapper, I like tap him on the shoulder and he's like, Are you going to say it? I'm like, Yes. Ah. Red snapper, very tasty. I don't know, no, no. I don't know, no, no. I don't know. Okay, no, no. stop, stop, stop. You got me started. No, no. Okay. So this did not start off the way we wanted to start off, which actually, um, yeah. Interview. So my highlight, like I said, was going to um, to check out Pete's um, Fresh Market. An another highlight that we had a chance to do, um, actually, it's really, really cool, is we were interviewed by Chef Salty Pork of the Chef's Meal podcast. I'm sorry. I just came out. Hi, I'm Chef Salty Pork. <laughs> it just comes off so special. No, no. he It it was really awesome, actually. So we got interviewed, what was it, last Saturday? Yes. Um, For the podcast. I think it'll come out sometime in August. We'll let everyone know. But we had a really great time. We talked about 50 minutes, about, you know, food blogging. The guy and, thinks I'm weird. Um, yes, we had a long conversation about Big Daddy's weird eating choices. And my love of spam. I secretly am a huge spam lover. Yeah. So we kind of got into that. Apparently he's a big fan of spam too. So shout out to him. <laughs> but um, it was a really great time. And we thank you for giving us that opportunity to chat. 
Um, the yeah. other weird thing that we found last week that I sent to you that Big Daddy got really excited about was what was it called? It was the Cubby Space Dividing Tool. Yes. <laughs> the Cubby Space Dividing Tool. I think that's Big Daddy's next unbirthday present that's coming. <laughs> And it should be here anytime. <laughs> By the way, so what an unbirthday present is for those of you who are not familiar with that weirdness. Big Daddy is actually been born was born on Christmas Day. Yes. Born on Tuesday. So he is a um I am a Capricorn. <laughs> for all you good lovely Capricorns out there. <laughs> But more Shout importantly, out. he's a Christmas baby. And so I know that when we um, met each other years and years ago, we used to tease him that, hey, dude, that means you either get Christmas presents or birthday presents. You don't get both. And so after hearing how he just kind of got, I don't know, basically ripped off, if you will. About- no, I mean, I don't want to say ripped <laughs> off, but at the same time, I... Yeah, I, like when I was younger, I got, you know, presents from Santa and some Christmas gifts and some birthday gifts, but like not a lot of any of the three. But for the most part, like I've never had a birthday party, you know, like most kids have, like, you know, with friends and um, people like, you know, hanging out like, you know, regularly during the summer or anytime else during the year it was always with family because all my family, I'm sorry, all my friends were like off doing their thing with their you know, their families and whatever. And I've, you know, as I've gotten older, it's just been, Hey, happy birthday, Merry Christmas. And silence. (laughs) So what we did years ago when we decided to get married is every so often I will throw big daddy and un, um, it's kind of like an unexpected unbirthday, if you will. But she never tells me when it is. Well, that's the whole point. You don't know when your unbirthday is and it's, kind of like a random day and it's fallen on different days in the past. And we just pretend like it's your birthday. We get you, a, get him a cake. He actually gets a chance to like go out for birthday meals. Sometimes we'll have people over and celebrate it. Um, my favorite on birthday for you of all time was when you went to the Build-A-Bear factory <laughs> and I like straight up took you and there was this kid's birthday party that was going on that I didn't know. And when the kids found out that it was your unbirthday and I explained it, they're like, come on. So you were like part of the kid's birthday party. It was so cute, you guys. Like literally, if you've ever been to the Build-A-Bear factory, there's like a whole ritual where you pick out your stuffed animal and then you stuff it. And then there's like this little heart that you're supposed to make a wish and kiss on both sides. And then they make you hold up the actual animal and you would say, I love my bear. He did all of it. It was great. It was him surrounded by all these little girls. And the mothers were just like, oh, my God, he is so lucky to have you. This is such a great idea. I should do this for my husband and our boyfriend. And I'm just like, yeah. So, yeah, that that was like my favorite unbirthday with you. But mm-hmm. I think this might be your unbirthday present. So <clears throat> what the cubby the food cubby is is if you're one of those random people who like hate your food touching yes <laughs> which he definitely is <laughs> then this is for you it's a device that basically it looks like a little semicircle 
And so what it is, is you put it on your plate. And then what it does is you can put the food choices in the little semicircles and the little cubby divider. And it keeps like the gravy and the peas from touching the rice or whatever. Like it keeps them separated. It is literally like, you know, like when you went to uh, school and, you know, you had the trees and the trees had the little dividing areas. It was, it's kind of like a, a plastic, as you will, like, or rubber section of that tray that keeps your food specifically divided. It's like its own little border walls that keeps things like, you know, in their low proper places and does not have peas and the gravy touching each other or the rice messing with your specific thing, a steak or pork, you want, you know, when you need them separated, when you need them specifically in their particular corners and you want your food to taste exactly the way it needs to taste without any invasions of any other food, like, you know, just kind of creaming together. I I don't like those little, like, you know, you know, gooey ends, like, you know, of certain dry areas. You know, I kind of get a little anal about that, but yeah, I like that. I like my cubby specifically, you know, when it comes, I want my stuff separated. You know what? I'm laughing, but this has been like an ongoing thing since we have been together for like over 20 years. Like when I've prepared food for you in the past. I'm so excited. (laughs) And it's really kind of funny for me because I didn't realize like how anal you were about that. Like the best excuse example i could give it's like you if you guys ever seen the movie toys um it's the old barry levinson movie and it has like robin williams in it and robin wright and then it had ll cool j it's robin williams his cousin no it's his cousin brother something like that no maybe they were brothers but he's like from the military and He's like very adamant about eating like almost like a TV dinner style where things are separated. And for years, you know, T would be like, yeah, I'm a military man. I like my military meals, just like El Kuja in the movie where things don't touch. Like he's like really adamant. So apparently this thing has like amazing reviews and I'm a step away from getting the divider um, plates like you see. Like you had when you were a little kid. Yes. I wish you would. <laughs> in, the, in the school cafeteria. So I thought, hmm, maybe this would be a good alternative for that. <laughs> yes. I like my meals specifically. I'm like, I've never spent a day in ROTC or whatever successfully. But for the most part, yes, I like my meals specifically in their specific places. Were you always like that? Yes. That's really strange. Because... There are some foods that are, like, made to go together. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> but when I like when I can separate them, I like them separated. <laughs> it's kind of like, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I can appreciate that. And I know people who are just like that. So um, if you guys, by the way, want to see it yourself, it's on Amazon. It's called The Food Cubby. Um, but apparently it's got a lot of really great reviews, um, 70 reviews, five, most of them five stars. Um, apparently it was invented by a kid. So we know the kids are pretty picky. So for those parents out there who 
kind of have your child freaking the hell out because a one P hits his rice, you can use the cubby. <laughs> so I'm going to get it and I'll let you guys know if we like it. But I don't know. I'm still, you have to understand a lot of my stuff because, you know, my mom is from the South. And so we had like, you know, smothered pork chops and like, you know, stuff with gravy and just the idea of not having it together or better yet. Oh my gosh. And we have had conversations about this gumbo. Like gumbo. one of my favorite things to make that big daddy loves for me to make is <clears throat> I call it my grandma Edline's gumbo, but really I learned how to make it from my aunt, great aunt um, Verna. So I kind of combined some of my grandma Edlon's um, cooking techniques um, with my cousin Verna. And it's a chicken andouille gumbo. And I really love to make it. I don't make it as often as I like. Because one, it's hard to find a really good andouille sausage up north. Um, so whenever I see andouille sausage that I like, I stockpile it. Because it, you know, it's hard to find it. And then two, making gumbo is not like an easy feat for those of you who've made it from scratch because it's all about the roux, right? The roux is mm -hmm. kind of like, think of it as kind of like the base of the gumbo. And it's really simple to make roux. It's basically like oil and flour, but you got to get it the right color. So if you get roux that's like too light, then your gumbo will taste kind of black. And if you get it too dark, you'd have to start over again. So literally you have to like heat the oil and then you add the flour a little at a time and you keep stirring until it's that right color. It's kind of like a color of a rich uh, milk chocolate um, color. Because again, if you mess up the roux, you have bad gumbo and no one wants bad gumbo. And for all you kids out there, all you Yankees, um, I I get to hear about this uh, process every single time I request gumbo. Because Somehow, it takes 45 minutes to make a good roux. It's not like an easy thing. Yeah. And that's why I have to beg and plead <laughs> and get down on my knees like, baby, if you want to make that gumbo, I want that gumbo. But at the same time, I get to hear this story. It's kind of like I had to go six miles in the snow uphill. <laughs> To get the roux specifically to make this particular type of gumbo. Because you're like, standing over a hot stove for 45 oh minutes to Lord. mix the roux. And then you have to prepare the chicken. And then you have to prepare the sausage. And then you you, you can't just put any vegetables in gumbo. Like, do you know how hard it is to find good okra to put in oh gumbo up here? Lord. <laughs> and then I get to hear this, like... Every single time I request this gumbo and me and I'm like, oh, the hell with it. I'm going to McDonald's. No, 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 no. But it's worth it. Because every time I make the gumbo, you really like it. But this is this is where the food separation thing comes in. Because gumbo is made to be eaten with rice, right? Mm -hmm. So I rem I'll never forget this. I, I, I used to, the deal was that I would make gumbo for you when I used to go on long business trips, I used to work. Um, when is your next business trip? <laughs> I used to work in college admissions. When is your next business <laughs> trip? And I'm just like, brother, just want some gumbo. This whole conversation start up on gumbo. When am I going to get this gumbo? Okay. Clearly, you're going to get it soon because there's andouille sauces in the fridge. I'm just saying because McDonald's looking, is down the street. I've been looking for the okra and stuff. So anyway... 
oh, excuse me. So what happened is I went away on this business trip. I was gone for a week. I was recruiting for this college. Um, I made him like a week's worth of gumbo before I left. Mm-hmm. So then I called. I left on a Sunday. I called on Wednesday. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing a great time. I'm really loving this trip. I mean, a lot of incredible students. You know, part of my job was to, um, I worked for a graduate school of psychology and I really focused on students and historically representative populations in this particular field because we wanted to um, be more inclusive in our recruitment efforts. And so I was super psyched because I went to a lot of historical black colleges and universities on this particular trip and met some incredible students. And I was talking to him about it. So I was just like, so, you know, do you have enough to eat? You know? And he's like, yeah, I'm almost out of gumbo. And I was like, how the hell did you eat a week's worth of gumbo in three days? Cause I ate it. I was like, wait, what? And one of my new friends, Russ, he was listening to me and he's like, wait, and how much gumbo did you meet? And I told him, oh, that should have lasted him a week. So I called him later after another, you know, recruitment um, part of the trip, just checking in. Are, are you sure you're good or whatever? Yeah, I'm almost out. Like, seriously. Come to find out, Big Daddy did not eat the gumbo with the rice. He just eats it separately like a soup without the rice. And gumbo is made to go with the rice because it stretches it out. And it's, you know, you can't eat gumbo without the rice. That's just abnormal. And I was like, wait, so you're not eating it with the rice? And you're like, I was supposed to? And I'm like, yes, why do you think I ate the rice? And you were generally confused. And then you t- explain again, the idea of the gumbo touching the rice horrified you, even though it's part of the soup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you would go as far as like you would eat the gumbo part and then maybe you eat the rice later by <laughs> yes <laughs> like okay first of all again as someone who spent half her summers in Mississippi and Alabama visiting family if you would have met my grandma at line and not ate the gumbo with the rice you literally would have insulted her <laughs> I'm not here to hurt people's feelings, <laughs> but at the same time, this there was gumbo, there was rice. She said, "Eat the gumbo," so I ate the gumbo. Rice just came later. It was another meal. <laughs> How simple is that? <laughs> and see, the thing is, I pride myself on my gumbo. There's not a lot of people who's had my gumbo, so you're one of the gumbo-worthy people that's out there. And then you have the nerve to eat it wrong. Because you can't bear to have the gumbo touch <laughs> the rice. You are the only person in the world that'd be like, "You ate it wrong." You did. I just ate it. I'm like, I was given the task, like, here, here's food, eat it. So guess what? I ate it. Now she's like, "You ate it wrong." But all the times that I have served you gumbo, it did not come with the rice. Yes. And did not the gumbo go on top of the rice? The gumbo did go on top of the rice. Yes. So when you had the chance. I ate the gumbo. <laughs> Point blank. That and was this it. is why you were out of a week's worth of gumbo in like three days. <laughs> yeah. Any other questions? 
I'm like, I just broke it down to the very last compound. <laughs> See gumbo? Eat gumbo. There's rice over here. It's, you know, whether or not it's made, eventually it gets eaten. But, yeah, I eat the gumbo. And then she freaks out. You made it wrong. <laughs> you did eat it wrong. <laughs> it's like, see, that's why I don't make a lot of stuff for you. Because, like, the jambalaya, I was like, how do you eat jambalaya without the rice? So, like, you have to eat them together. I don't have to do a damn thing. But, <laughs> you know, basically go to work and, you know, eat and die. I'm like, and be black. I'm just like, congratulations. Here's your jambalaya. Here's your shrimp creole. Here's your gumbo. Guess what? I ate it. <laughs> and see, shrimp creole is another thing. He makes a really great shrimp creole, but he separates it because he can't bear his food to touch, even though it's made to eat together. Okay. Once again, let us clarify. <laughs> yes, I do make shrimp creole. You know, Grandma Brown used to you know, give me a good <laughs> shrimp creole recipe. And yes, I, when I make it for everyone else, if I serve it to them, I serve it to them, yes. Only a bed of rice with the shrimp creole on top. I, however, eat my shrimp creole separated. Rice over here, shrimp creole over there. One big good dividing line. I'm good. So, you guys can see now why I'm getting him the food cubby. I think that would just be, like, the ultimate thing. So, you could have literally the gumbo portion in one side of your plate, and then the rice on the other side of the plate. Yes. I... <clears throat> Oh, I'm sorry. I, I got. I'm sorry. It's, she is all in her feelings right now. Yes, I am. She shook. Yes, I am. She don't know to do it herself. Because that's not how you eat it. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I. She I, screams I, at me. You ate it wrong. <laughs> Look, I have learned to love you through your faults. Okay. <laughs> yes, I went to a small Midwestern school. I went to the same school, and I know how to eat it. <laughs> I'm a Yankee. <laughs> I am too. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> again, I'm trying not to be in my feelings about this. As, as you guys can tell, this is kind of an emotional topic for us. Right especially, it's, especially since my husband is one of the few people that I deem to be gumbo worthy. Uh-oh. We've had this, we've had discussions about this. Like, who is gumbo worthy? Because, like I said, I I don't mean gumbo for anyone. Because if you had to spend forty five minutes over a hot stove just to get the roux just right, I'm not just gonna feel, feed that to some Tom, Dick, and Harry. No, you have to be gumbo worthy. You have to be worthy for my grandma Edline's chicken and andouille sausage gumbo. Does he watch shrimp? Do you have shrimp in your gumbo? No, I don't add shrimp to my gumbo. Oh, I mean, Lord. I the reason why I don't make seafood gumbo is because I don't want to kill you because you're allergic to seafood. Oh, okay. I'm good with that. So chicken and andouille um, sausage is actually incredibly good. But like I said, there are very few people that I can think of that is gumbo worthy. And every so often we talk about that. Because like, for example... Is Bryant Gumbo gumbo worthy? Mm. Is Greg Gumbo gumbo worthy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. No. Okay. Keanu is gumbo worthy, but only Keanu Reese and Speed, like big Keanu. Like big uh chunky Keanu. No, he wasn't chunky, he was muscular. Oh, stealth Keanu. Yeah, okay. stealth Okay. True confession time, story time. When we were in college <clears throat> when he was in Speed, 
back when they used to have video stores? Remember when they used to have like those huge promotional posters um, to promote a video, right? And the video store was getting rid of it. And I'm like, dude, I want that poster. And I put it above my bed in my dorm room so that every morning I can get up looking at Buff Keanu. <laughs> Buff Keanu gets the gumbo. <laughs> Buff Keanu gets the gumbo. Yes, Buff Keanu can get the gumbo. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> He's gumbo worthy. Mm. Brian Gumbo and Greg Gumbo. Why interesting? They do not get the gumbo. Wow. Name Greg? No, not in Greg. Wow, man. But Clark Kellogg, who does like the commentary every year for the NCAA um, basketball tournament, mm -hmm. and he also worked for the Indiana Pacers, so I always have a soft spot to him. <clears throat> Stop. Yeah. Go. Clark Kellogg, he can get gumbo. Okay. He's yeah. gumbo worthy. Yeah, he's worthy. Okay. Who else is gumbo worthy? Um, you know, there's not a lot of people who are gumbo worthy. Okay, we we broke this down a little earlier. Like, you know, if we were going through, you know, the Avengers. Oh, yes. Okay, Captain America, Chris Evans. If you're listening, Chris Evans is gumbo worthy. Okay, Chris Evans, gumbo worthy. Um, um did, did we discuss uh, Tony Stark slash Iron Man? No, he's not gumbo worthy. Okay, Iron Man, not gumbo worthy. I mean, I know he's everyone's fave, but here's the thing. If you're really honest about it, a lot of the stuff that happened that led up to the Infinity Gauntlet um, saga and the Infinity War was his fault. Okay, so Team Cap over Team Iron Man any day of the week, like Tony Stark's, but he's not gumbo worthy. Not even Robert Downey Jr.? Mm, maybe the actor's gumbo worthy, but Tony Stark's, he can't have any. Wow. Um, Hawkeye? Hawkeye is not gumbo worthy. What about Falcon and uh, War Machine? Falcon and War Machine can get the gumbo. Every, of course, everyone in Wakanda. Everyone in Wakanda, y'all get the gumbo. Oh, we must. Even have... M'Baku. M'Baku, gumbo. <laughs> Stop M'Baku getting that gumbo. <laughs> yes, M'Baku. How dare you? Although, he probably wouldn't eat it because they're all vegetarians, if you know from the movie. But. Yeah, okay. He's He can get gumbo. Um. Let's see, who else did I... Did Thor, Thor can get gumbo. Thor can get gumbo. Look like he ate the gumbo in uh, Endgame. <laughs> Thor can get gumbo. Of Look course, like Valkyrie can get gumbo. Valkyrie's a badass. Okay, Valkyrie gets some gumbo. Gamora and most of the Guardians of the Galaxy get the gumbo, except for Star-Lord, because if because of Star-Lord, that Wakanda disappeared with a snap because he, he couldn't stick to the plan. So everyone in the Guardians of the Galaxy, except for Star-Lord, can get gumbo. I thought it was because he was getting in a uh, separate amount of Ferris. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Chris Pratt. Never mind. Well, Chris Pratt is Star Lord. Okay. Whatever. However, okay. So Chris Pratt ain't getting gumbo. Yes. Star We're talking about the Avengers getting gumbo. Okay. So it's time to. All right. So does Nick Fury get gumbo? Of course. Okay. All right. All right. So Nick Fury. Gumbo. Captain Marvel gets gumbo. Okay. Um. Does Groot get gumbo? Well, he's part of the Guardians. Like everyone in the Guardians of the Galaxy, except for Chris Pratt's character. Okay. So Groot, of course, gets gumbo. He might be part of the gumbo if he doesn't chill out. <laughs> um, Doctor Strange doesn't get gumbo because he's just annoying, and I never liked that comic book as a child. So, what about his henchman? Uh, are you talking about? Is it Yang, the librarian? Was it Yang Wang? Yeah. I, I forget his name. The one okay. who dipped out in the middle of the fight. Yeah. He's hilarious. He gets gumbo. Okay, so he gets gumbo. 
All right, so we, I think we get does Scarlett Johansson get gumbo? Okay, I, I'm I'm gonna nominate you know, you know Black Widow. She's gonna get some gumbo because you yeah, know what? Because she's a badass too. Black Widow gets the gumbo because she kept things going after, um, the snap. So yeah, she gets gumbo. Okay, so we'll give them gumbo. All right, are we like we we're not crossing over into X Men because they're completely out. Oh, we we did. Did we put? Did we toss Spider Man in that piece too? Yeah, Spider Man gets gumbo. Okay, thank goodness. Okay, so yeah, Captain. Right, so okay, and the Incredible Hulk gets gumbo, but only Professor Hulk. That's in the last version of the Avengers. Wait, wait, wait a minute. So previous to this point, the Hulk didn't get gumbo. Nah, but I would give Loki gumbo. What? Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why would you give Loki gumbo? Loki seems like he would be a good time. Loki, Loki... seems like he would have fun. Oh, while you're getting gumbo. No. <laughs> no, I'm I'm snatching his card from the get go. <laughs> you don't get invited to the gumbo party. No, wait, no. you don't give gumbo to Loki? No, because it looked like he, <laughs> like he was stealing gumbo from the get go. That's probably why he got the little funky hair. Getting a little horrible gumbo. He's probably would... stealing. Look, Tom Huddle said, if you're listening, I would give you gumbo. Tom Hulson, if you if you listen, that's great enough. I'm sorry to tell you, but your character ain't getting gumbo. You look like you probably would transform into something that would to sneak gumbo out and like stealing from the rest of the group. You look like you, you know, like you've stolen some gumbo before in your life. But once again, maybe okay. that's what he needed. He just needed some good gumbo. But at the same time, I, I like to ultimately put to the to the greatest the greatest of all time, the GOAT. Does once again does my man with the with the fingers with the glove? Does, does my th- man does Thanos get the gumbo? I'm I'm nominating no. Thanos for the gumbo. Thanos does not get gumbo. Before he got his head chopped off in Endgame, what do you think he was going into the garden to get? Okay, Big Daddy's convinced he was actually making his own gumbo. Yeah, Thanos was hitting that gumbo. He was putting it together. He went into the garden to get the you know his own okra. His own special, you know, chicken. He was making his gumbo, and then, you know, the Avengers or whatever they are showed up and messed up his little gumbo party. You're really in your feelings about that, aren't you? Hey, Thanos the goat. He was getting his gumbo on, and y'all messed it up. Okay, you're probably the only person I know who feels sorry for Thanos. But mm -hmm. I don't really feel sorry for him, but same time. The dude was like, you know, in his own little special spot, making his gumbo, and y'all came and just caused a ruckus. <laughs> I think like that. Okay. All right. So, does Bucky get gumbo? Uh, before or after he went to Wakanda? Well, before he went to Wakanda, he was the Winter Soldier and, like, killing folk. Okay, so thus he didn't get it at that point. But after he went to Wakanda, he became an ally. So, man, at that point, he might have gotten gumbo. But it's because he was there that ultimately they went to Wakanda and messed it up. But that didn't necessitate. <laughs> necessi- that does not necessarily mean that he couldn't get gumbo while waiting. He maybe while he was re you know rehabbing, they probably gave him some special herb that involved some gumbo. All right, Bucky barbecue gumbo. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people <laughs> to talk about getting gumbo, but we just broke it down to the, the Avengers <laughs> and, you know, the different Infinity Wars or 
end games or whatever because <laughs> that's how we were thinking. Okay, so now that I think we've exhausted talking about who's gumbo worthy, why don't we just take a break and then when we come back, we'll talk about some pop culture things that was eaten at us this week. Okay. Hey guys, I'm JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober, and I'm here to share this great new recipe journal from author Gaby Lorano. It's a progressive cooking journal designed for short and simple recipes at the beginning before advancing with spaces for longer recipes as you go. It's colorful, fun, fits easily in the kitchen drawer, and it's perfect for any home cook. Best of all, it has over 100 pages for your most beloved culinary delights. Be sure to get your copy today at Amazon.com. And we are back. We are back. <laughs> so welcome back to the Gourmet Goober. And welcome back. Welcome, <laughs> welcome back. back. Welcome back. Welcome back. back. Thank you, Mr. Cat. <laughs> yeah. And I know some youngins are listening like, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> yeah, don't age me out. But yeah, I was having a little sweat hog moment. Yes, that's right. You're my little sweat hog. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> So we are back at the Gourmet Goober and it's the pop culture section um, that we jokingly call What's Eating Us. And this is where we talk about things that have happened. Or, well, I guess now it's past two weeks since we're going bi-weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, while we're at it, let me jump on the uh, the thing about, do you hear the thing about the, uh, the you know, black folks back in the day not being able to eat ice cream? Oh my gosh, yes. So... I'm glad you mentioned that. That actually came up. Um, It was something that I recently read. There is a um, author um, slash food historian by the name of um, Michael Witte or and Michael Twitty. And first of all, if you don't already follow him on food uh, on Twitter, definitely find him and follow Michael Twitty on Twitter. He is like really brilliant and um, he's a black Jewish man. He talks a lot about his heritage and cooking and discovering that. And it's really, really fascinating some of the things that he writes about. Um, black Jewish man. Is he like Sammy Davis Jr. and Omari Stoudemire? Um, well, yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, so I was sharing with Big Daddy something that Michael wrote that I thought that was kind of weird. Um, that I didn't know about. Um, and this is involves. There was a random like log back in the Jim Crow era. If I remember right, you were saying. Right. So we were looking at 4th of July traditions. And as I mentioned in the past segment, you know, particularly if you are black, if you are a member of the LBGTQ community, if you're a member of a lot of communities that are historically um, marginalized. marginalized, you know, holidays like the 4th of July, it's always one that's filled with conflict. Correct. And one of the things that we were looking at as, you know, a black couple was I was just interested in like traditions around black people in the 4th of July. And we came across this really odd fact, like really random, like precedent that was like, that was like, Profound, like passed down to us, so like you know, the drinking fountains and uh, where to go, like you know, what we could partake, what we could eat, uh, where we could see, like sit, like certain 
uh, restaurants and whatever, if we could sit at those restaurants or not. Right. And we came across this random uh, schism that said that, hey, you know that black folks could not eat vanilla ice cream? In public during the Jim Crow South, except on the 4th of July. Yeah. And I was just like, well, hell, I'd just be straight up dead, man, because... That's all you eat. It's yeah. vanilla ice cream I was one. A very, yeah, I'm a very dedicated <laughs> vanilla ice cream person. I know maybe that's a very blanche thing for me, but yeah, I like mine very basic. And yeah, I like, you know, sometimes I like to mix it up and add certain uh, things to it, whether it be sprinkles or, you know, maybe some hot fudge or whatever. But yeah, my base flavor is, you know, vanilla. And uh, yes, I really like vanilla, but at the same time, yeah, just to... That was a very random fact, like, you know, okay, so you could be somewhere and eat chocolate or strawberry or, I don't know, pistachio, but why vanilla? That was just very random to me. You could not eat vanilla except on the 4th of July. I was like, so on Independence Day, we all get together and eat, vanilla I don't know, yeah, vanilla ice cream and, like, do we eat with, like, Neapolitan style with you know, strawberry and chocolate, or do we like, in, like you know, with the red, white, and blue? Do like, do we sub in like blueberry or something like that? Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the point, but you know, I read the article, mm-hmm. and I remember a long, 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 long time ago, I read Maya Angelou's incredible autobiography. I know why the cage bird scene, and he does remind that there is a line in there that alludes to the fact that whites. Um, were so prejudiced that they wouldn't let a black person buy vanilla ice cream. Which, first of all, if you know the history of vanilla ice cream, vanilla ice cream was actually flavored with spices that were indigenous to Mexico at first. Mm -hmm. And then there was an enslaved black man by the name of Edmund Albius um, that he was on Reunion Island in the Indian Ocean and he was the one who actually developed the um, the flavors of vanilla, the rich flavors of vanilla that's so common in the industry today. So, first of all, just so you know, I always hear people talk about, you know, well, black people don't contribute anything to the culinary experience. First of all, that is so not true. But mm-hmm. even stuff that you have no idea um, passes through, a, you know, a black person's hands in the case of the vanilla, he basically is the father of the vanilla industry as we know it today. It's how, you know, the vanilla bean is cultivated and things like that. So that's how you get like the, the extract and everything. Right. Um, so it was, you know, reunion Island that was on the largest Island of, of Madagascar. He was the one who came up with all of that. Hmm. So okay. little fact. That I learned from Michael W. Twitty, by the way. But yeah, it's just just the fact that unfortunately white supremacy is was so pervasive right then. Not like it's not pervasive today and systemic issues that we have. And again, I could talk all day about that, but this is this is not that conversation. No. But, but at the same time, yeah, just the fact that of all things, like, you couldn't put your hands on vanilla, vanilla ice cream. Because, seriously, that's all you order. So, quite frankly, yeah, you would get no ice cream at all. You would find me in a very bad place <laughs> without vanilla ice cream. So, anyway, 
just a little random fact as we um, finish out um, the 4th of July weekend. So if you can get your hands as much vanilla ice cream as you possibly can to piss off one of the racist ancestors that are floating around out there, go ahead and do that. Yeah, hit that vanilla. Solidarity. (laughs) Now, outside of that, um, one of the big things that affected you in the last couple of weeks, pop culture-wise, is the NBA free agency. Because I think I mentioned it before in a previous podcast how um, Big Daddy, he works in media. He works in sports media. Yes. And so you have been covering a lot of the NBA free agency. And vicariously, because I'm such an NBA fan, It's something that we have been spending a lot of time talking about because we've just been obsessed with where everyone has been going. Yeah. And that's the thing. I know that I know we don't on this podcast, we don't talk a lot about sports. I know, but sports is kind of a background of in me and job, but also occupation, but also with the gourmet goober because she's a rabid NBA fan. And it was one of those things where we're about what, two three weeks now uh past the nba draft and now we're literally in the we're really right now in the moratorium as you will of the nba free agency period but same time as you know all the deals that are being discussed and made are going on right now so we're literally in the the week of the nba free agency period and as you know things are definitely changing in terms of landscape of you know basketball professionally so by the time that you're listening to this podcast to be honest a lot of the deals would have been made and like you said it would have fallen to that moratorium but there were some big moves for those who were interested um about you know for example one of the biggest catches of course was kite um Kyrie Le- Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. I don't know why I keep calling him that. Kawhi Leonard, who played with the um, Toronto Raptors. And again, congratulations to you guys for taking the championship. So he's going to the LA Clippers. And then he's bringing Paul George, which I feel conflicted about because Paul used to play for my Pacers. And then he went to OKC. And now he's going to um, the Clippers with him as well. And a sign of trade. Um, Kevin Durant, um, formerly of the Golden State Warriors. Kevin is landing in Brooklyn, and he Kyrie Irving is also joining him in Brooklyn as well. And I just heard that Kimber Walker's just signed with the Celtics. Kimber Walker with the Celtics. Wow. So yeah. he's out of Charlotte now. How does Michael Jordan feel about that? <laughs> I don't know. Why don't you ask your boy, Mike? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to go ask, like, MJ, what you- are you, are you, is Kimba out of the Air Jordan game now? But yeah, so Kimba Walker, okay, that was news to me. You know, so you got KD, Kyrie, and DeAndre Jordan, along with a couple other guys going to, you know, BK. But at the same time, across the board, over in Madison Square Garden, the Knicks, um, <laughs> there's an arid space and, you know, the at Knicks the garden. The Knicks honey. <laughs> yeah. I know they got a couple of guys, you know, that sound for the Knicks, but um, yeah. So I don't know if they were really the losers or they just kind of got a stay of execution. But you know, the Clippers got theirs. Of course, the Lakers. Um, Jimmy Butler is going to Miami. Jimmy Butler going to you know playing in South Beach. And actually, isn't Al Horford going to Philly? 
Yes, Hal or Al Horford, uh, formerly of Boston, uh, has found his way to uh, playing in Philly, replacing Jimmy. Uh, so buckets in Miami, Al Horford replacing him. Uh, there was another guy who was playing in Philly. I, I can't think of his name right now. Um, he's making money moves. Of course, the Lakers, you know, with Bron Bron, uh, basically have picked up AD, uh, Anthony Davis. The brow is going to get trimmed up in, uh, LA with the Lakers, but also he's bringing some other guys, uh, with him. Uh, former New Orleans Pelicans, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, who was playing with Golden State, had his 8.3 with, in the playoffs with Golden State for a few minutes. And also Rajon Rondo, who uh, is a big fan, is Jennifer's uh, best point guard. Please, please don't put me in that. I yeah. have issues with Rajon. Uh, Rajon. Rajon uh, played for my Dallas Mavericks, and he caused havoc. And then he had the nerve to say, "Oh Lord, it's either him or the coach that leaves." And Mark Cuban's like, "Dude, you're gone." <laughs> he was gone that afternoon. Like Rick and Mark Cuban are solid forever. So yeah. Rick's not going anywhere. <laughs> so yeah they're getting there so and i forgot like did mike conley go anywhere you know i'm not really sure I, i'll have to look that up but you know speaking of the mavs and their effect on oh, no 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 this is interesting because okay the mavericks just um signed to a contract um porzingis christoph porzingis christoph's porzingis yes. it's fun to say his name um, he's this giant, like, dude that used to play for the Knicks who demanded the trade. And so he's going to be hopefully starting for Dallas next year. The funny thing is, going back to what you said about the Knicks, right? Mm -hmm. The Knicks purposely got rid of, um, Kristaps because they thought we're going to get rid of his salary, right? And then we're going to use that salary to, like, get KD and all these players. And they got butt kissed. <laughs> And yeah. I'm and I'm laughing, and I know it's awful that I'm laughing. You guys have to understand one, and I know you guys are probably listening to this, going, "Why are they talking about basketball?" Well, basketball is important, okay? Basketball is life. Basketball is life. In <laughs> and where I'm from, if you dog. don't like basketball, they ship you to another state. But because I grew up in Indiana and grew up a Pacer fan, one of the things that will forever be seared in my mind are the epic battles between the Pacers and the New York Knicks. Back in the 90s, between Reggie, when Reggie played, when he trolled um, Spike Lee and all those people. And so the whole thing that came out of that period for me is I really hate the Knicks. She <laughs> really hates the Knicks. <laughs> so deep down when I found out that they got screwed in a free agency, not to be petty, but I was not sad about that. <laughs> The only thing I am sad about right now is if you guys know anything about sports media, Stephen A. Smith, um, who is just forever a Knicks fan, we need to check on. We need to put him on the print. Yeah, it was on the second set in list because he was on TV during the first night of free agency on um, ESPN's The Jump, and I swear I was really like, I like texted T. I was like, um. So do we need to have a prayer circle for him? <laughs> he wasn't he was not in a good way. Yeah, homeboy needs some cheese jewels in the bat in the worst way. 
He yeah. needs some help. <laughs> and I felt so bad for him. I wanted to give him a hug and be like, hey, bro, you know, be all right. You know, I, I'll get you some cognac. You know, I, I'm, I'm willing to go there for you. you no, know, it ain't going to be expensive cognac, but, you know, I'm willing to help a brother out. But, yeah, like, you know, while the, the Knicks are uh, still trying to find their way, um, the the Brooklyn Nets have become an unexpected um, benefactor in the playoffs. I'm sorry, in the uh, in the free agency pool. So heads up to them for, you know, for the Barclays Center to become the hot spot now. So yeah, so congratulations, Brooklyn Nets. You've you've basically won free agency. <laughs> and again, if you happen to be around Stephen A, you see him in the city, give him a hug, give him some cheesy poofs. If you don't know why the cheesy poofs are important to Stephen A, or cheesy poofs, cheesy doodles, whatever. Cheesy you can. doodles. Give him, Google, give him some snacks. Google when you have time. Look it up. It's the Stephen A. Smith Society of Heckling Gentlemen. Which I may or may not have been a part of. <laughs> it's an ongoing thing they used to have involving a sock and cheesy doodles. And that's all I have to say. It's some of the most funny early viral videos that you will ever see. It was an ongoing thing until the our society decided to separate. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but... Uh, apparently, one of the things that came out of that is Stephen A. Smith really loves his cheese doodles. So, if you see my man Stephen A. because he's hurting right now, he is. Give him a hug and the cheese doodle. He needs it. Yeah, <laughs> we go help him out. Speaking of, um, oh, before I forget, did we also talk about like over break about who's gumbo worthy when it comes to the NBA? <laughs> did we talk about that? I know there was like one player we. Who no longer plays that we had to have a discussion about. Because <laughs> we were talking about Overbreak, about people that are gumbo worthy beyond the, the adventures. And I happen to think that retired Dallas Maverick, Dirk Nowitzki, is forever gumbo worthy. And Big Daddy says no. <laughs> no. Com- computer says no. <laughs> no gumbo. Big Daddy is upset that I'm just such a rabbit fan of dirt. Busting. <laughs> she loves her dirt. Lurch. Okay, stop hating. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Dirk is gumbo worthy because he's done incredible things and he's one of the greatest players of all time. And like my beloved Reggie Miller, he stuck with his franchise his entire career. Stop it. So, yes, he is gumbo worthy, despite what Big Daddy says. But who out of free agency else is Big Daddy? I would say Kawhi Leonard's gumbo worthy. Okay. Kawhi Leonard, uh, he's gotten some, you know, he's been able to get some, you know, some food in San Antonio. He got some poutine in Toronto. Now he can get some, I don't know, he can go get a fat burger in L.A., but. Okay, okay. Yeah, I guess he's gumbo worthy. He's gumbo worthy. You know who else is gumbo worthy? Who they resigned that you don't hear a lot about? But JJ Varea of the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, Oh, stop it. You just look, you just hate my choices in basketball teams. But JJ Varea is one of those unsung heroes that get the work done on the court. He leaves it all out there. He's a little dude, but he's really, really good at his job. And on the side note, when the hurricane hit Puerto Rico last year, one of the things that J.J. did that a lot of people don't know is he went to Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban and he's like, can I borrow the team plane? He fundraised and got like 
thousands upon thousands of supplies for his home country himself, and he flew it to Puerto Rico on his downtime, like in between games and stuff, to help restore that island. So yeah, for that alone, JJ forever get gumbo. Okay. He's okay. gumbo worthy. Okay, he can have a very nice <laughs> Puerto Rican meal and everything, and I, I really appreciate his service to you know, to the you know, the US Commonwealth and everything. I, I really appreciate that. Doesn't make him, you know, in my eyes gumbo worthy, but great. No, I no, think. no. He's okay, who's worthy of the gumbo then? Of the free only in the NBA. In the free agency, like um, I would like to say on the on the slide, uh, Doc Rivers for all he's gotten with the LA Clippers right now. Uh, he's definitely gumbo worthy because he's gonna be enjoying a lot of beneficial uh things down the road. Okay. Um, he's gumbo worthy, of course. You know, Paul George, who my gen- my no. my wife will not agree with. No, he does no gumbo for leaving the Pacers, but for Victor what? Oladipo gets gumbo. Okay. I noticed that we're talking about players that you, know, <laughs> you like. I like because I make the gumbo. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm still waiting on. But at the same time, I like to say, uh, okay, you know, for what for all the players that have been in Oklahoma City and have left, and even though I know he's kind of a a problematic guard, like you know, I like to give, I like to nominate Russell Westbrook for some mm. gumbo. I'm gonna give brother a hookup, you know. Mm-hmm. Brother need, you know, he need him a hookup because he's got to be in Oklahoma City to hold it down. I would like to believe he made that choice though. No one's forcing him to stay in Oklahoma City. And until he leaves Oklahoma City, <laughs> the brother needs a fresh pack of gumbo. To, you know, Russ, Blood Diamond, Russ. Hey, I'm with you, bro. I need until you leave Oklahoma City, I'm gonna hook you up with some gumbo. If I have some straight. leftover gumbo. Maybe. Wow, you giving him the <laughs> bottom of the barrel. He doesn't get rice with it. <laughs> I'm going to plant some rice for you. Just too, gumbo, bro. no rice. <laughs> All right. So Russ is getting his. Like I'm, 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 I'm also going to throw. You know, like AD. You know, you. Yeah, Anthony Davis. Even though I'm a little dismayed at how that trade went down, but we don't know what really happened behind the scenes. No, that's, Anthony's that's cool. a good player. So yeah, Anthony gets gumbo. Yeah, you know, since you spent your time in New Orleans. Nolans. And plus, he'd appreciate Gumbo since he's been to Simon Nolans. Yeah. So, between him, Rajon, Boogie, no, 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 since no, y'all no. did y'all time in, in New Orleans, no, 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 no. y'all get y'all honorary thing of Gumbo on no, my side. No. 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 Rajon Mondo will never get Gumbo. Man. Not even Boogie? No. Wow. Boogie don't get Gumbo. Rajon don't get Gumbo. Rajon will never get Gumbo. Wow. He knows why he doesn't get Gumbo. Oh, good Lord. Here we go. <laughs> anyway. Good luck to everyone in their new teams in the NBA season. <laughs> Speaking of who doesn't get gumbo, besides Rajon Rondo, who, if you're listening, will never get gumbo. Okay? You were never gumbo-worthy, Rajon. <laughs> you know who else doesn't get gumbo? Or the people who are, like, freaking the hell out because Haley Bailey um, of Chloe and Haley? Not Halle Berry. Um, no, not Halle Berry. Oh, man, <laughs> Halle Berry on, on the slack, baby. I'm personally delivering some gumbo to you. Yeah, she gets gumbo. Yeah, I'm gonna get you I'm gonna get you a hookup. Halle Berry, gonna get some gumbo for me, along with some Garrett's popcorn. I'm uh, brother getting ready to hook it up. Halle for you, gets gumbo and Garrett's for life. She cool. Hey baby, I'm I'm gonna hook you up, baby. Okay. We straight. Now you're making this creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, if you haven't heard, 
she is the actress um and she's also a singer she and her sister have a group that it's managed by no less than beyonce so queen beyonce say they're cool they're cool okay but she's also on the t- um hit free from television show um grownish which is the spinoff of blackish um uh, big man um so she was named as the actress who will be portraying ariel in the laugh action ver- version of the little mermaid oh that's cute and people are losing their damn minds because of course She's a black actress, mm. but she is so talented. I swear, when you hear this woman's voice, it's like hearing an angel sing. So I can only imagine as someone who grew up watching Little Mermaid and being excited about, um, you know, the part of the, your world song and some of the other stuff. And, and then there are other actresses that are being considered for other roles. Like I read Melissa McCarthy is being considered for Ursula the Sea Witch. Although, just as a side note, yo. If y'all listening, that's Lizzo's row. Lizzo wants to play mm-hmm. it. I think Lizzo should be Ursula. Ursula was a sister in my book, but that's okay. She just had sass. But even though I know she was actually based on a very famous drag queen who was in a lot of great John Walters movies by the name of Divine. Okay. Um. So technically, yeah, Melissa could play her, but yeah, that's Lizzo's row. But anyway, <laughs> Ursula the Sea Witch um, aside, um, there are a lot of, quite frankly, racist people who are insisting that the Little Mermaid can be nothing more than a white woman with red hair. No, black women can have red hair, too. I know that okay, you know try. that. Seriously. But that's neither here nor there. The idea that anyone other than a white woman with red hair um, portraying the Little Mermaid it's kind of ridiculous at this point because one it's an animated character dude it's an animated character there are no real mermaids but there are people who are going as far and you can even see online if you go on twitter it's hashtag not my ariel which i'm like ariel no they they invented a hashtag dude but there are some people who actually went as far as trying to prove scientifically why mermaids couldn't be black which yo again they're mermaids. They're now, not even uh, yeah. real. Okay, now mermaids can be Daryl Hannah. And then they're like, well, it was created by Hans Christian Anderson, and so therefore, you know, he's a white European man, and he didn't intend for black people to be in The Little Mermaid, to which I replied, there are black people in Europe. You know that, right? We didn't just show up, like, one day. There are lots of black people in Europe, and have been for a very long time. And they're now Millie Manilli. So, try again. But yeah, it, it's it's been kind of crazy to see, and it hasn't died down. It's been going on for like the past, what, three or four days on Twitter? Okay. And it's just insane the links that people go to to justify their bigotry and demanding that the little mermaid be made white. If though, and my favorite excuse that I've been reading for a lot of these people is like, well, it'll ruin my childhood. Well, first of all, bitch, you're a grown-up. <laughs> so your childhood is over. So quite frankly, if they could go back in time and destroy your childhood because they made her <laughs> a black woman, one, that's ridiculous. Two, of all the people to lose your stuff over, like, I didn't recall people losing their stuff when they make Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson. They've done this before with other fictional characters. They also didn't lose their mind over Aquaman. 
Yeah, I don't I don't recall anybody being upset over Aquaman. And Aqu- Jason Momoa is not white. But we dealt with Aquaman just fine. Well, the fact that Rock has played like literally every um, ethnic background, even though he is a lot of different backgrounds himself. Right. I don't know why our echo just went off then. Maybe Alexa knows the truth. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is, one, they have done this before with other characters. So mm-hmm. calm the heck down. Two, again, it's a mermaid. And three, she would be incredible with it. She's actually a very talented actress, a wonderful singer, and she would do it justice. Okay. And I guess my thing, my points of interest only involve the fact that, one, I I only know so much about the young lady um, who is tapped to play, you know, this role. But, you know, I'm willing to give everyone a chance to, you know, work their creativity. Do what you think would be best to form an adaptation that might look a little different. You know, maybe we're not seeing it correctly because for all those people who think that Santa Claus is, you know, just this jolly old white dude sitting up in North Pole, you may be slightly right because it's now you ain't going to see a whole lot of brothers up in the North Pole. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, you just never know because my daddy always told me that one, Santa Claus is whatever um, nationality he was when he opened, you know, to the door of the people who, you know, who opened the door. You know, so if he came to my house, he's going to be African-American. If he came to my neighbor's house, he probably could be Puerto Rican. If he went down the street, he probably could be, well... He probably could just be special. But nonetheless, uh, you are whatever you are. Kill that. Um, Okay, but my, you know, whatever Santa Claus has come in as, you know, that's upon, you know, each one's interpretation. Just like, you know, I'm not getting into like, you know, McConaughey Jesus. But my theorem will always be, you know, you know, when you're dealing with fictional characters, there's open thread for interpretation one also we're also disney dealing with a disney character and i know that um disney it within itself has always been a little well i know from the origins that Walt disney wasn't always like down with people who look like me but you know now that we're going into a brave new world uh interpretation is kind of its own you know ballad but also its own like you know double-edged sword so we can't have to live with the cringe of, you know, maybe it's going to look a little differently, but we're trying new things because, you know, I know what Snow White is, but also let's not say that there couldn't be like, you know, a Snow Cocoa or that, you know, there hasn't been a, you know, a brand new Cinderella or that, you know, there are also new Disney princesses that aren't like, you know, from some fringe development. And you know what? I think you brought up a good point because... Tony Braxton has played Belle mm-hmm. in Beauty and the Beats on Broadway. Yes. Like, we all saw Brandy growing up playing Cinderella in Disney's Cinderella, which had, you know, Whitney Houston as the fairy godmother, for heaven's sakes. Okay. Um, Anika... Um, Noni Rose. Noni Rose. I, I think she played a character on Broadway as well. So, it's not even like it hasn't been done before. 
So at the end of the day, you guys were just being salty because you're being salty. So you sorry. know, the Lion King is you know has had a lot of different people play you know different characters there of all different races and creeds. Right. I mean, even if you think about it, the genie from um, Aladdin. No one made a huge deal when um, Will Smith took over for the genie on the new movie version from Robin Williams. So I wonder how much of this is massage noir, which for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's Big racism work. mixed with misogyny. Um, so the idea that not only they're pissed because it's a black person, but it's a, a black woman. Mm-hmm. So a lot of massage noir things are geared around both race and sex. And for those characters that were male that no one's had anything about, they're decidedly or even more vitriol that's um, heaped upon the women who do these type of roles as well. No, oh, that's a new word. I'm, I'm intrigued now. I like that. Massage noir. Yeah, it's a Massage thing. Massage noir. But as opposed to... Sounds like a hair color. <laughs> all the other people who have whitewashed characters over the years. I mean, you guys can just eat this, okay? Just, just deal. The last thing we wanted to talk to you about very briefly um, that honestly brought a tear to my when Big Daddy told me about it this weekend is, is the fact that legendary um, publishing company um, Johnson Publishing Johnson Publications well, they have sold in the past year the Ebony Jet magazine chain and Ebony Jet um, fired their entire staff this past the week. remainder of their staff. Yeah, and so for those of you who aren't familiar with Ebony Jet, Ebony and Jet magazine is an influential um, magazine that very early on, when other forms of media did not even cover African Americans, Ebony Jet was the place to go to find out about Black life. Yes, and they have. Uh, just a wealth of some of the most iconic images that was part of our lives. So, for example, famously, when Emmett Till, um, the young man from Chicago, right? I mean, wasn't his picture in Jet magazine? I think so. Yeah, and if you don't remember, he is the young man who decades earlier was. Allegedly, uh, whistled at a white woman and was killed because of it. Not only killed, but just horribly. Who was tortured? Uh, was mangled horribly it, to the point where they originally were going to have his casket be closed, and his mother's like, "No, I want you to see what racism has done to my son." And, and it changed America forever. Now again. We could go down the rabbit hole regarding Emmett's story because, as it turns out, that woman admitted years later that she lied. She did. In my opinion. No, she totally admitted Mm -hmm. to an author. And then the author hid her story until she died to protect her. Uh, Okay. We're not going to go down that path. We're not going to go that way. This is not about... We're going to focus on the positivity of Ebony Jet. Yeah. Also, the sadness that has come from their decision to uh, shutter most of their doors. And the thing is, Ebony Jet, um, I know it's not a big deal now, because, again, there are a lot of magazines, but imagine life before BET. 
imagine life before blavity or the root, you know, or some of the online um, resources that are available before even Essence Magazine. Mm -hmm. Um, It was founded by um, a man um, named John H. Johnson, and it was founded in 1945, and then its sister publication, which is a smaller magazine, Jet, was founded in 1951. Yes. And during this time, over its years of ownership, Ebony was the place to go for African-Americans to learn about life. They would cover entertainers that you would not find anywhere else. Like Dorothy Dandridge, Lena Horne, Diana Ross, um, Carol Mosley Braun, the Obamas, Beyonce. Like if you were black and the person in to know, you would find yourself on the cover of Ebony magazine. Um, they would talk about issues that no one else would talk about in a time where advertisers wouldn't even like advertise to black audiences. He actually went to these companies, like these, um auto companies and say, look, you are missing out on an audience here. They want to spend money with you. This is how you advertise to them. Yes. This is what you say. Like, he literally had to talk to them. His wife, Eunice, his wife, Eunice, when she found that no cosmetic companies would advertise in this magazine and they were a big source of, you know, for many magazines of similar ilk, it's a big resource of funding was from cosmetic companies. People don't understand when I was a child. I mean, I'm not that old, but when I was a kid, there was no makeup companies for us. You could not go to the grocery store or to the drugstore. There was no Ulta. There was no Sephora. When I was a kid, there were three, two, maybe three colors for black people. They were always a tan. There was a coffee and maybe if you're lucky, there was a cappuccino and that's it. When I was a kid, there was four companies that you go to. And one of them was founded by his wife, Eunice, Fashion Fair Cosmetics. There was Fashion Fair. There was Flory Roberts. There was Mary Kay. And they were the later ones. And then there were Avon. And that was it. Okay. So if you want to make up to look like you, that you didn't look ashy, that really had the, the death, like, Literally, all of us loving Fenty, we need to be sad that Fashion Fair is closing along with Ebony Jet because there would be no Fenty without Fashion Fair Cosmetics. Fair. And when I was a kid, the thing was that I wasn't allowed to wear makeup until I was 16. And it was a tradition for most of the uh, women of color, particularly black women, when they got of age where they started wearing makeup, someone took them to the Fashion Fair counter. And it was a huge deal because, again, Fashion Fair, you couldn't find it like, I don't know, Hooks Drugs or something. You had to go to like a yeah. really fancy department store. Like, for example, seek it out. where we were, it was the Ellis Ayers. And you would walk into Ellis Ayers. And Ellis Ayers is kind of like the Macy of its day. Um, and you would walk past all of these women and you would sit there and they would wait on you and they would do their colors and things like that. Like, when. I married Big Daddy. Like, it was a tradition when I was younger that you got your makeup, like for a lot of people in my family, when you want to look your best, you got your makeup done at Fashion Fair. And one of the things that really made me proud was when it was my turn and I got married, I went to the Fashion Fair Cosmetics um, 
counter at Marshall Fields, now known as Macy's in Chicago. I went to the one in State Street. I went on two sessions on my lunch break. And it was like a really big deal. I'm like, I'm, it's time for me to get married. And I've, I've dreamt of this day. And the woman, she waited on me. She, you know, she matched my face and everything. She, um, I came back right beforehand because she wanted to make sure that I mastered the whole makeup thing. But it was a special moment for me. And so, and yeah, I know that there are lots of different resources now that are available. Um, but back then, we owe a lot to Johnson Publications, to the work that they have done, to the advancement of just normalizing our lives and showing that in a time where representation was nothing. Like, seriously, we're not talking in the 60s. We're not just talking in the 70s. I'm talking like when I was a kid in the 80s. Like, the place that you go to feel like you mattered were publications like Ebony and Jet. Yeah. And so the idea that it's going away and they might be shutting their doors forever, it's really heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking for me for a lot of different reasons. I mean, just the way that they influence, like, every aspect of our lives, like, a lot of black designers, they got their start through fashion fair because they would have like a fashion fair tour and they would actually bring it to your city and they would introduce new black designers. So we just thought it would be kind of important and sorry to end on such a bad note, but you know, by the time this um, podcast drops, Ebony Jet may be done for. Um, and Fashion Fair Cosmetics, they've been dwindling for a while after the sale of the publication arm. So I'm not really sure if they're in, in business either. But, you know, on behalf of two people who really benefited from the opportunity to see ourselves in print, you know, we want to say thank you. We wanted to honor that and just give a moment to... um to Eunice and John for all that they did and normalize in our lives. And just remember how much of the things that we benefit from today that would not have existed had they not worked for it. I mean, it was pretty revolutionary at the time. Did you have anything else you wanted to add no, to that? I think you pretty much explained, I mean, you pretty much echoed all our sentiments. I mean, first and foremost, uh, I know that, you know, in terms of magazines and uh, general publications, also, I like to give a shout out to the people that worked at Chicago Defender. Oh, my gosh, that's right. They're closing their doors, too. Yeah. Are they going to digital? Is it? Uh, I'm not sure exactly how that works, but uh, to the people who have dedicated their lives to the justice and the education of us, not only as African-Americans, but also uh, us as a community um, and the affairs, you know, we give you praise and we give you the ability to say that, thank you. But also with, in terms of Ebony Jet, um, it was a source of pride in our family um, to have, you know, Ebony or Jet uh, on the table. Yeah, you know, on our coffee tables, 
when you came in in some uh, doctor's offices and drugstores and stuff like for us to peruse, you know, and also in a place of as my wife spoke of in terms of beauty, like, you know, I know we talked about before while Playboy was like, you know, showing like, you know, pictures of women. Uh, at a certain point, you know, I got into like, you know, more, you know, like African Americans also being in the magazine, but you know, the Ebony Jet, uh, sorry, the Jet Beauty of the Week, right? Um, where you know, a show black beauty of all shades. Um, when there was a spot where there was none, you know, and it was showing that you know, women are beautiful, but also throughout the magazines. There were spots where we learned, at least me personally, about fashion, you know, for men too. Like, you know, we wanted to dress like, you know, Billy D. Williams or uh, Richard Roundtree or, you know, even Barry White, you know, just guys, you know, guys of just being cool, you know, Willis Reed, uh, just gentlemen, like, you know, true gents as we were learning the style and profile, but also, we were learning to be good, upstanding men of color and to not see that anymore. I know as a sign of the times, but also it's a time for us to give nod to our elders and give them the love and respect that is so good. And you know what? I really am glad that you reminded me about the Chicago Defender and just saying a word about them as well. If you're not familiar with the Chicago Defender, it's a newspaper. Um, it's it's based in Chicago, but it had a national influence. I mean, going again, you know, from covering Emmett Till, who was from Chicago, mm-hmm. um, to covering the Jim Crow laws, it had a pivotal role in the civil rights movement. Um, so this is a newspaper that had its great history as far as helping to advance civil rights and some of you know reporting what was going on in Selma during the march and things like that. I mean, the reporters from the Chicago Defender was so important um, to so many people. Um, And in Chicago, if you are familiar with Chicago and you've ever attended the Bud Billiken Parade, um, which is an annual parade that begins, it marks the end of the summer for kids. And the beginning of the back to school period. Right. It's been a tradition since 1929 in the city of Chicago. The Chicago Defender actually helped create that parade. Yes. So every time you guys watch Bud Billigan, for those Chicago natives listening, you know, watching it on television, actually attending, if your kid's been a part of it, you need to think the Chicago Defender. Because, again, it was made to institute a feeling of Black pride and to celebrate education and all of that as far as excellence. And that wouldn't have existed without the Defender. So they are not technically, they're stop, they're stopping printing. So the last issue will hit Newslands this week on Wednesday, but they're going to go digital. So if you guys who are listening outside of Chicago want to check it out, and my understanding is they have a lot of their great archives online now, you can look up the Chicago Defender and find it out. Um, but again, we know that we're moving towards a digital age and a lot of people are probably thinking, what's the big deal about a newspaper folding and about a magazine folding? But these resources made a big difference to a lot of people. Yes. So don't mm-hmm. discount their worth. And particularly if you're, you know, you're black, if you're African-American, if you care about someone who's um, of that 
um, culture, we, we're losing a lot. Um, and so I hope that the next generation will honor that as far as they replace it. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. And then when we return, we're going to wrap things up talking about the best thing we ate this week. Hey, I'm JJ Outlaw, veteran here the Gourmet Goober. Let me ask you something. Do you love conversations about hit snacks? Deep philosophical discussions and why, I don't know, corn dogs should be called meat twinkies? Or why Love and Hip Hop Atlanta has the right level of ratchet? Well, if you've answered yes to any of these questions, you might be a goober, which is why you should be a part of our bi-weekly podcast where we tackle life's most important foodie and pop culture questions like why community fries should be a thing. <laughs> and if you love the Gourmet Goober podcast, how about supporting us? You can give us a five-star review on Stitcher and iTunes. You can drop us a line at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. You can advertise with us. Or you can visit anchor.fm backslash gourmetgoober, click the support this podcast button, and put just five on it to help support independent media. So, if you're a goober like me, no worries. Just join us here at the Gourmet Goober, be a part of our bi-weekly podcast, and support us now at anchor.fm backslash gourmetgoober. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. So we're back. And we're and back. Again, thank you for listening to the Gourmet Goober. And to wrap things up, as we do every week, um, wanted to take an opportunity to say, what is the best thing you ate this week? What is the best thing I ate this uh, week? Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently it wasn't gumbo, but <laughs> I one day I will the get gumbo. it. Okay. I'm looking for the okra. I can't find it. No, and I'm not like, you know, being petulant about it. I'm just like. He's being petulant about it. No, I'm not being petulant, <laughs> but I'm just saying that, you know, at a certain point, whenever the someone speaks the gumbo or my wife's gumbo into existence, then it becomes, oh, okay. So she's talking about gumbo. So eventually she <laughs> may make the gumbo if coerced enough, but at the same time, that becomes a speech about what happens to make the gumbo and everything that goes with the gumbo and how I have to eat the gumbo correctly. I think what he's trying to say is I make really good gumbo and one day I may share the recipe, but I have not yet because it's my grandma at Lund's recipe. But that being said, I'm looking for the stuff to make the gumbo. One day she will make the gumbo. <laughs> one day if anyone I will knows where I can it. find good okra in Northwest India, because it's not even, it's hard to even find frozen okra. Can you go to, like, what was your little spot here? You know, didn't Pete's have okra, you know, can hook a sister up? Actually, I looked when I was at Pete's. I couldn't find okra. See, then Pete's might not be, you know, the crew to drive in <laughs> if they couldn't hook a sister up with some good gumbo there. But no, okay, so. Because you can't make gumbo without okra. Yes. <laughs> but same time, okay, so we're talking about the best thing I ate this week. Yes. Okay. Um, I, I would like to introduce... I know I'm going to get in trouble. Oh, that's because, never a good way to start. <laughs> yes, because I, the two things I, I have been on this podcast blamed about is the fact that uh, sometimes I go to places and don't tell my wife where I go. Exactly. Because it, you know, I don't share. But no. it's just sometimes it's just like slice of life things that come up and you're just like, oh, I have this opportunity to do this, but I don't get to go there. Or that I don't bring enough to share with, like, you know, the rest of the class. 
<laughs> and this other part, which I'm most likely guilty of this week, is that probably with certain dietary restrictions, I probably should not have been partaking of. Okay. But it w- it was not my intention uh, when I got there. But it was just, uh, I partake of it, and it was cool. Mm-hmm. So, I went to this I'm place. worried about this beginning, this opening, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, I went to a spot called, it was in West Loop, and it's called, I think it was on Randolph, and it's called Bumble Bar. And <gasps> I went there and got. No. You went to Bumble Bar without me? I have been dying to go there for, okay, I'm going to let you tell your story, but. Yeah, I, I'm just. I'm hurt. Yeah, I just went to some little place called Bumble Bar. It was a nice place, but I went there originally just to get like something called Bombo Burger. It was a single Bombo Burger. I mean, it sounded pretty cool, um, and it, it came across pretty cool. Like you know, I got with you know the basic you know burger um, type toppings and whatever, and it was pretty tasty. But I also heard that you know they also have like little random like doggy treats and stuff. And yes, this was well after, like, knowing yesterday I did not have that, you know, my doggy is no longer with us. But I was just intrigued to see what they had. So I went to Bumble Bar to get a Bumble Burger and see what they have for Bumble Dogs. But the best thing I ate this week, ironically enough, was something called a Cookie Monster Shake. Yeah, I think it, was, it pretty much ended up like a Cookie Monster Sunday because of the temperature. But, um,. It was called a Cookie Monster, and I basically I think it had like Oreo cookie crumbles, um, whipped cream. Um, I believe it also had uh, chocolate chip cookie crumbles in there, and these blue sprinkles. And oh my god, this was so tasty and so decadent! Oh my goodness, this Cookie Monster was so tasty. Oh, it was a mighty little monster. But yes, I, I partook of the Cookie Monster, and it was the best thing I ate this weekend. Damn it, I'm not afraid to say it. So that was the best thing I ate this week. So anyway, Gourmet Goober, hit me. I'm not talking to you. I really have been telling you for weeks that I went to go far. What was his name? And you JJ, went without me. Are you riding? <laughs> are you rolling? Are you with me, baby? Because oh. she's on her feelings. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, see, you're vastly approaching not gumbo worthy. Wow. <laughs> One day I'm gonna end up behind Rajon. I swear I'm gonna end up behind Rajon Rondo being not gumbo worthy. This is where I am. Behind the New York Nick. God help us. <laughs> you are approaching Rajon Rondo levels of gumbo worthiness. Daddy. <laughs> What was the best thing you ate this week? Get away from me. I'm listening to this and I'm like, I know I'm not supposed to react, but Kevin? She's just mad. He didn't say anything to me. I've been wanting to try this. Brother gets one lucky drop at Bomba Bar and all of a uh-huh. sudden, Jennifer's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, you out, baby, mm-mm, oh no, she's, show- she's getting finicky, She is showing her little face. You better fix your face, baby. We're not talking. <laughs> so anyway, what was the best thing you ate this weekend? Get off me. All right. Well, it, it doesn't compare to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So again, I I went to um went down to I, the old I, town road and she going no 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 eat it till she can't no more. Stop. <laughs> you were in the gumbo doghouse. So anyway, um, if I ever see I, it. I I really yeah okay. You find me some okra. Anyway. If I make it without okra, you will know the difference. Anyway. If I ever see it. <laughs> that was the sound of me slapping my husband. I've been abused. I've <laughs> this, been rebuked. This, this is a real issue right now. I'm in my feelings. But anyway, when I went to Pete's earlier this week to pick up stuff for for lunch, um, I um, found a lot of really good stuff um, that I had. But if one of the really great things about this place is they have this really incredible bakery. And so I admit, cause I was just like, well, you know, I'm working on the day after the fourth and there's no one here and it's just going to be me. So I hit the salad bar and, you know, made myself a really great salad for lunch. And then I thought, you know, I didn't actually eat breakfast. Let me just find um, like something random, like a muffin or something simple. But no, no, I didn't choose to eat that for breakfast. <laughs> I went in the bakery and they had the sexiest piece of like this giant three layer chocolate cake that you will ever lay your eyes on. Like it was just the perfect buttercream and it, and it had like chocolate buttercream, but then it had like a vanilla buttercream stripe in the middle. And I was like, you know what? I'm a grown ass person. I'm going to be alone in my office. I'm going to eat chocolate cake for breakfast. <laughs> so I did. But she was not sharing. Well, you weren't thinking of me when you went to Bombo Bar. So I looked into Bombo no, no, Bar. No, no, you no, had no, a chance no. to check this out. No, no. Matter of no, fact, no. wait a minute. Hold on now. <laughs> One, you ate chocolate cake for breakfast. One. Look, chocolate cake has egg and wheat and milk, okay? It had all these essential You can justify it any way you want. <laughs> but you did not share your chocolate cake. No. You did not think of me when you had your chocolate cake. No. The chocolate cake was a friend of yours, but it was not a friend of mine. I like how I'm fighting the cat while talking. Yes. But yeah. Because the cat knows you're wrong for eating <laughs> But there was no cake in my hand. <laughs> she did not share. Anyway, if you happen to have a chance to hit the bakery at Pete's uh, Fresh Market in Chicago on Madison and <laughs> Western, let me humbly re- um, recommend the chocolate cake. Now, it's not just any chocolate cake. They have the one. You want the one with the vanilla slice in the middle or the vanilla cream in the middle. But, my God, that was probably the best slice of cake I've had in a very long time. Not that I eat a lot of cake. And I found it in a grocery store of all places. So, I do recommend that. That was just really kind of tasty. So. Now that we've decimated our relationship over a trip to Bottle Bar, let me wrap up by saying thank you for listening to The Gourmet Goober. Um, again, I'm JJ Outlaw. You can find me on Twitter at JJ Outlaw. You can find us on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. Um, if you happen to be on Facebook, and again, <clears throat> we've had a Facebook page for years of um, starting from our blog, um, The Gourmet Goober. 
Um, you can find it at Gourmet Goober blog. Although to be honest, if you want to interact with me personally, you'll probably find me more on Twitter and on Instagram. And where will they find you, um, Big Daddy? Stop it. You can find me um, <laughs> once again on Instagram at tioutlaw. I'm sorry, tioutlaw Josie Wells, like the movie. <laughs> And on Instagram. Sorry. Oh, no. That's I, I did Instagram. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm also on Twitter at T-Outlaw. Just T-O-U-T-L-A-W. Outlaw. T-Outlaw. Yes. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Hopefully, if I'm still not in the doghouse. <laughs> just to let you know of some things that are coming down the pike is I'm working on a new website for The Gourmet Goober, which you can find at thegourmetgoober.com. So you can definitely check us out. Want to say thank you to our friends at the Cross Pods. Um, they featured us in the new and newsworthy podcast section. So check them out. They're at the the um, dot com. If you wanted to um, score advertising with us, you can also um, do it through the Cross Pods. They've been really great as far as helping to promote us. So we always want to say our thanks. Speaking of if you wanted to reach out, you can also reach out to us by going and dropping us an email. Our email address is thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. And finally, if you wanted to support us, um, I know there's a segment that talks about it, but just as a reminder, you can go to anchor.fn backslash gourmetgoober and you can support the, um, the podcast there and help grow um, independent media. So for everyone at the Gourmet Goober, again, thanks for listening. We'll have another episode in two weeks. And until then, happy eating. Happy, happy eating. <laughs> I don't know, no, no, I don't know, no, no, I don't know, no, no. <laughs>